minus 15 seconds. Welcome back to Net Zero to Hero podcast. Uh, you got Matt and Brandon today. We just took our passive home certified design consultant. Oh my goodness, my brain just stopped because. Uh, <laughs> so we just took this test. For those of you who don't know, we've been on this journey to become energy advisors. And one of the things that we did initially was we wanted to be passive home designers because. Brandon especially doesn't like to sit still and government's all about hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Whereas passive homes like, we'll take your money and teach you how to do this. So it was actually the journey started for us in the concept of passive house because it's a real thing. You know, uh, people build passive houses and I'm like, well, passive house is like, uh, you know, to use a very simple analogy, it's like the platinum standard, you know, net zero to net zero, um, is like the gold standard it's awesome you're not going to hear me compare they're they're very similar but there is a passive house is a higher standard so like hey if we hit passive house we're awesome but the fact is is that you know canada's going net zero so um we jumped on the energy advisor uh, because we realized that truly the business case is built around meeting net zero targets and they are different than passive house targets but nonetheless we're like let's let's learn how to do this best best because if we aim for a passive house we're going to land in net zero comfortably so we just we want to we want to just raise the bar so here we are i always describe it to people like taking your doctorate in energy home design essentially you, you know what? and truly it is and i have lots of positive things to say on the backside of what's been six months for us yeah so today it's a friday it's a huge win for us. We're both like, wow. Oh, we don't know if we passed yet. But we think we passed. <laughs> we think we did. We hope we did. So they tell you at the beginning, oh, for this exam, only you need, you know, you need 50% to pass. And if you get over 60%, we're surprised. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things. And the, we did six days of training as the exam prep after taking all of the prerequisite course yeah, material. so we took all the courses, we sit down, we're like, okay, we're going to do the, you know, for those of you who have taken any course ever, doing an exam review, you're like, we're going to review what we've learned. Nuh-uh. False. The exam prep was, uh, the exam prep course was a fundamental departure from all the training we had done. Uh, and that came as a real shock for us. So up until yesterday, uh, both Matt and I are sitting here in the office and we've put a considerable amount of time into this uh, going, I don't, I don't know if we've we've got it and uh it was quite a daunting thing and so i'm saying that we're having this conversation because we want you to know what's required to go into passive house and to get passive certified because we want you to feel equipped and empowered in a way that again our whole journey with this we're starting at zero we're fumbling down the path uh, we're just determined and resilient people so we're going to keep going but you don't have to you don't have to be in quite the same um veiled mystery that we started with yeah. So if you are considering passive home, this conversation's for you. Um, if you're not, then uh, this might not be as fun for you or as informative. Yeah. You know what? And you're going to watch me through this whole thing. I, I have to say on the backside of this, uh, fundamentally in passive house, I'm really impressed with them. Uh, I'm impressed with their approach, their philosophy of evaluating house performance, uh, thorough and comprehensive, whether or not we certify a house through passive house, we will be using the passive house uh, framework for all of our home designs that's just uh 
without exception, this was going to happen. Uh, we also know that um, Passive House Canada uh, did a really good job training us. Yeah. And I'm grateful for all the work they put in and all the trainers because we met several of them. And uh, wow, what a team. Okay, so it's an open book test. So if you're if sitting at home thinking right now, oh my goodness, if you get over 60%, that's really good. And it's an open book test. Do you essentially have all the answers? That speaks to the amount of knowledge you need to have. Like we had, I probably had over a hundred pages of a cheat sheet. So we went through and took everything and and really boiled it down and condensed it. And, you know, I'd say 10 of those pages came in really, really handy today. Yeah. Um, 30 of them sort of, and then the rest none, but you don't know what they're going to test you on. And it was just this enormous mountain of information that we had to condense and be prepared to be tested on. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and I think the part that, you know, the concepts of, of building design are are something we've been immersed in for a while now. I say a while now, you know, a half year of intensive focused study. So, so they, you know what, the test, they broke it down. They had calculation questions, true and false, for every single category, like windows to ventilation to air tightness to, um, there was even like economy. You're trying to break down whether it's profitable yeah, to, it, yeah. to do one thing or the other. Um, and then the big thing, honestly, at the end was for 45 points. So a, a really hard calculation that would take Brandon and I probably 10, 15 minutes was worth three points. They give you a design question where you essentially... Because you have a cheat sheet, you can basically copy another home design, make sure that you just include everything, and that's worth 45 points. So Brandon and I, being guys who like to hedge our bets, knowing that we're not the greatest at calculations, really focused on that. I think we I think we nailed that one. Yeah, and I think what was the big takeaway for me on the backside of this Passive House certification is, my goodness, the granularity of calculations that have gone into understanding how a home performs uh, is mind-boggling. And, uh, and we only saw a fraction of that because obviously these were calculations we have to do by hand in a time box of an exam. It does. It's a small sample of what's actually taking place uh, in the the PHPP software to make sure that you know anything that's built Passive House is built um, with a comprehensive analysis. I'll leave it that way. And and going back to we were shocked by taking the exam prep course at how little it felt like we knew. Um, to go back and point that out, we uh, we did not know that we would have to do calculations by hand. At no point, if you're going to go through the Passive House course, know that every single calculation they flash on a page somewhere, they're going to ask you to do. Because we went, and our understanding wasn't, it was even explained to us that the software that you get, it's called PHPP, the software that you get to design homes is going to do a lot of this work for you. And they told us that a lot. So we went, great, PHPP is going to do all that work for me. Well, guess what? During the test, they're going to test you on PHPP without actually allowing you to use or or insert anything into their software, which means you're doing all the calculations by hand and the software can't help you. It's great for understanding and uh, being able to be like, oh, okay, I understand where this number is coming from instead of just plugging things in and hoping it works. It makes sense why they did it that way, but at no point did we know until that exam prep course that we had to do calculations by hand. And we probably how many how many calcul how many formulas do you think we had on hand for the test today? I had eleven handwritten sheets with notes on condensed formulas um, after the exam. Uh, you know, I, I had a page and a half for ventilation. These are like you take all the 
all the main formulas and the branches of the formulas and the different factors that contribute to the fulfilling of the formulas. Um, yeah, they all fit on you know a page for ventilation, a page for air tightness, two pages for economics. Uh, there's just general things that you need to know, like the U value of a wall, 0 0.15 watts per meter squared Kelvin. Maybe. Yeah, it's like. Let me it, check my cheat sheet. It's just it's pretty it's pretty profound, and I, I it causes me to you know feel a, a high degree of respect for the especially our trainers who know this stuff inside and out. They can just comprehensively discuss the topic. But wow, for us mere mortals. Uh, who are truly practical people. It's like, we want to go through the process of building a home effectively and understand how systems interact with one another and the concepts like, you're never going to hear me negotiate with a client around low-quality windows or high-quality windows because low-quality windows won't work in an energy, a high-performance energy house. It's like, it just won't work. So it'll be high-quality windows only. Um, so when they test you on whether or not you're going to swap these low-quality windows in or compromise your prove that it will compromise your passive house certification in the real world we won't be debating that because it just won't be an option for us yeah easily over 40 calculation formulas maybe 50 60 it like we, ridiculous amounts now brandon and i went through and we did the work of creating cheat sheets um if that's something if you find yourself in the passive house course and you're like i I'm creating my own cheat sheet because we recommend you do that. That's the best way to go. But I want to see what you guys did. And uh, you want to see a breakdown of, you know, what we thought was helpful. Again, some of it very, very helpful. Other parts of it, we just weren't tested on. Um, so we get to a calculation and sometimes we had a calculation. Uh, it, it's basically a word problem. And we had that exactly in our notes. And we were like, oh, we just change this number to this number, change this number. And that really, really helped. There was also other times where they'd flip the formula on its head and ask you for a different to solve for a different part of the formula and give you different pieces. And that wasn't in our notes. Yes. And I just went, I can't answer this. I'm moving on. I'm sorry. I'm not going to spend, you know, two hours of a three and a half hour exam. Because they, to they figure tell this you out. it's like very rarely do people finish the exam in the allotted time they go first of all it has a high pass rate so it's not like everybody fails but people typically don't get over 60 percent when they pass and very rarely do people actually even finish the exam so it's like you know yesterday was a hard day for us because we're like oh no because we've I, I don't know that i can understate the amount of time that we've put into this again because we're motivated i mean we dedicate days in the week to this plus all the training plus the studying plus creating cheat sheets and uh, we put a lot of our our best effort into this for our own benefits we want to be experts in this field um but it represents a significant uh you know i'm gonna say upfront investment on behalf of any business or team because it's like that's days spent not doing other things uh and just trying to memorize the heat transmission loss through a thermal bridge under a windowsill you know it's like it's a real it's a real thing i think the all-in cost for both of us to take the exam to take the course to get phpp and to get the phpp design plug-in for sketchup that's probably around 16 grand that's what i'm thinking or am i way off on that oh man i'm i'm blanking I'm gonna... or, or no sorry not 16 it was about five thousand for the course yeah, Total. five thousand for the course. Five thousand six, six hundred bucks for the PHPP. I think and we had to get two of them. Yeah, we each had to get our own because that's your ticket. You can't write the exam without a PHPP license. And then five hundred bucks for the exam each. Each, yeah. So, uh, and then you so know, more like eight thousand dollars ish. Eight thousand bucks. Then there's the Design PH plugin for SketchUp, which plus all your time. Oh golly, uh, yeah. We're when you think overhead for you know two months. 
add that to the thing. And that's like, that's us trying here. So yeah, but I think we did it. You know, I'm feeling on this side of the exam, obviously we're going to dovetail the part two of this right into this podcast where uh, we're going to say uh, whether we passed or failed, because we don't know yet. I think both of us are feeling optimistic and, and why I feel optimistic is a lot of the calculations were required. They, you know, we'd spend a half an hour on a calculation in class and they ended up doing the 12 minute version of that same calculation because they just they just did the simpler one in the exam which i really appreciated yeah it was i would say that the exam was simpler than what we were taught in class it just class i think freaked me out oh it totally scared me like it just it could this isn't where my head's at so it meant it meant a, a real learning challenge for us um, Matt, just thinking back over the whole process, we got the courses are broken down 120A, 120B, and then 120C, uh, 120C being the exam prep course. Um, what were some of your highlights of the, the first two courses? I think I got to watch really, really smart people who know what they're doing teach me. Um, at no point did we have somebody who didn't know what they were talking about yeah train us yeah the instructions are great which a lot of times you know what i'm not going to bash teachers but sometimes teachers have never actually you know done the things that they're teaching other people to do in that whatever field that is um sometimes they're teaching something that they're not passionate about and so uh they're reading out of a textbook and they're like this is this is what you need to know we had we had some great characters in our class that like to ask questions and sometimes they were just so out of left field and i would say brandon had one or two of them himself and they just they knew their stuff and so i really really trusted that these guys not only cared about what they did but actually knew what they were talking about um and that inspired confidence in me um i wasn't just here for this organization to make more money off me so that way they could hand me a certification the the exam itself actually comes out of germany like we even the the calculation questions are all in euros we're this is they are trying to help us get to this german standard um which is significantly high and i really trusted the people um we had along the way you know what matt and to answer the same question i uh, i would agree with what you just shared there uh, and it's neat they're also practitioners most of the trainers are practitioners actively working in the field and um and yeah, definitely. If you got somebody that's made it this far to be a trainer, they're uh, they're qualified. <laughs> that's for sure. You can't just you, what I, you know. I always I've I've gone through many certification processes in my uh, in my journey, um, and some of them you can almost just show up and fake it. You know, challenge the exam kind of thing. Not this. Um, so one of the things that I really appreciated. I'm a big picture guy. I'm a process guy. I'm a systems guy. Um, I like to see how things interact together. The granularity and the specificity uh, of doing these really thorough analysis isn't my strength. And but what this did for me, it's not my, it's not my strength. It's my it's not my area of focus. <laughs> well, so well, you're you're half decent at this. I'm absolutely terrible at this. So this was fun. But it forced me to think through the lens of hyper-focused analysis, which has expanded my mind, and I got to see things that I would, I would naturally overlook, like through when you look at thermal models of how windows uh, leak, you know, a lot of time is spent, you know, as a builder, we buy good windows, and very few... Uh, less time and attention spent on the window install detail. And the fact is, is that where you position that window in the wall cavity, whether it be outboard or inboard, uh, really determines the overall performance of that window because uh, because of how the thermal continuity is um, in the whole building envelope. And I, 
I wouldn't have seen that intuitively. I would have just bought the good window and installed it according to, you know, best practices, but best practices according to, you know, national building code or BC building code or whatever uh, is not sufficient to maintain the airtightness and thermal performance of these uh, incredible buildings. Well, I, I just don't know if our, our building code is accounting for the dirt on the window and what kind of tree is four meters away from it at what angle it is. Yeah. Um, there's just so much that go into the, oh, it's a south-facing window. Well, that changes things. or you know, It's just ridiculous. So we don't know whether we passed or not. Um, Brandon, before we know whether we're you know, passive home designers or not, would you recommend this to somebody else? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I, I know that, like I said, that's an honest answer because, you know, uh, as someone who's responsible for the business case uh, for pursuing the certification, you know, pass or fail, uh, we have evolved as builders through this process. Um, whether or not we get this, the sticker of passive home designer, or passive home consultant, um, we're better for it. And it will absolutely serve us in our net zero journey. There's no question about it. Uh, we have the software, we have the tools, we know how to under, we know how to use and interpret these tools, even if we can't hand do the <laughs> thermal heat loss in a ventilating, ventilating heat loss in a building envelope, you know, it's like that we can't do that, you know, on the table with a calculator, um, you know, just off the top of our head, uh, I'd say it's wholeheartedly worth it. You just, you need to respect the time to actually study this, like study the courses online and then go home and then rewatch them. And they're like in four hour blocks. Like it's a, it's a real commitment, but if you do that, man, it's great. Now we're going to, we're going to take you forward in time. So I, it might be a week before we find out whether we've passed or not or whatever it is, but you get to time travel. We don't. So we're going to sit here on pins and needles, finding out whether we passed or not, or if one of us passed. And so basically <laughs> who's, who's, going, yeah. who's smarter or man, I can't imagine. So, um, we're going to take you forward in time right now and we'll see you guys on the other side. <laughs> just hang on. And so we're back. Uh, wow, you have just traveled through time. Congratulations, uh, time traveler. You one of the first, and I don't know forever. Hey, Elon, pay attention to this. We just got our listeners to travel through time. Boom. And you know what? We've got a lot of zing, a lot of pep. One because it's first thing in the morning. We didn't just take a four-hour test, so we're feeling good. But two, Brandon, we passed. We passed. We totally passed. Took us about a, what a month and a half to find out. And, and you, there's a weird thing that happened with me where I wasn't even registered for the test somehow. I paid. I took the training. I showed up. They did roll call. Yep. Matthew's here. Great. Take this test. And then they go, oh, you're not registered. So we can't even give you your results. You passed, but we can't give you the official certificate of passing. However, that complication didn't happen to me. So there was a period of time where I got my, hey, congratulations, Mr. Brandon Farr, you passed. And Matt was sitting there in the dark for weeks. Yeah. It was fun, <laughs> which, is, which is why you're getting this so late and, and our apologies on that. But honestly, it's been quite a journey. So, man, uh, Passive House versus like energy advising. We've been doing both of these things in tandem and uh, the differences are stark. Like we took this one test and and before we get into like the differences between those two things, Brandon, they can't take this away from you. This is a high bar that they set and you earned it. I earned it. Yeah, it's really neat. You know, we one of the things we've talked about in the office is just how sometimes you can 
with your background knowledge and cramming for a couple of days and showing up for a, a course and taking a certification, you can almost wing it for the exam and, and walk in and pass with very little effort. Uh, that's not the case with this. Uh, I think we've taken three 80-hour courses, um, the 120A, 120B, 120C. We have put a bunch of time off uh like studying, like off-class studying. Uh, we've created study sheets and study guides, which we're going to post online. Yeah, so uh, if you're, uh, one of the things is if you're in this uh, passive house train track going in this direction, uh, we built study guides. We would have mentioned them earlier, but again, we're just going to say it again, go to netzero2here.com. We have a Facebook group. Join that Facebook group. We're going to upload the PDFs of the three different booklets we printed off. It just helped us immensely. Um, and Brandon had a crazy setup. You are like, you know starship enterprise and your room yeah i had like nine pieces of handwritten paper on the wall in front of me and by the way it's not cheating uh it's an open book test so you get to do whatever you need to do uh, matt literally spent hours curating these study guide books for us that we got coil bound printed color both sides um and what they were with the three categories of the exam um broken into their sections and then uh it was the walkthrough examples of all the equations. So if you got asked about a net present value and whether or not it's worth it to upgrade the windows to offset the energy expense, but you have to pay for that extra expense over the course of the mortgage life of the house, is it worth it? Can you prove that to the client, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we just walk through the example uh, using the different numbers in the exam, Then, but the mechanics were all there. So it really, it really helped it's quite a lot of math, uh, so it's beneficial. We want to make that all free. Again, our, our aim with this is to help you. Um, I know there's some study guides out there you can purchase. We ended up purchasing a study guide just because we wanted all the help we can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I will say this. the best, One of the best things that I really needed um, was the math stuff doesn't make sense to me. My brain doesn't think like that. So I genuinely needed somebody to walk me through, hey, here's the formula. And then this is where you plug the things into the formula. And then after you do the first step, this is what it looks like. And you should have an answer that looks like this. And this is the number. And this is what it turns into, kilowatts per hour, whatever it is. Like, I needed that. So that's why the study guide I built was was so extensive um, on each specific calculation. And then you would get a question, flip through, and find that calculation and be like, huzzah, I, I can now do this. Um, because let's be honest, in real life, nobody's going to be sitting there and say, hey, do this in your head. They're going to be like, hey, does this work? And you'll say, oh, I'll get back to you. Yes. I'm not charging. Okay. So back to passive house and the difference between, you know, learning passive house and becoming an energy advisor and the training parts of that. Brandon, did you want to speak to uh, like how now that you're kind of both you're you're yeah. an, you're an, you're on the cusp of becoming an energy advisor, you're uh, passive house certified. Did you feel one prepared you better than the other for what what's ahead of you? Sure. They're fundamentally different. Uh, and and I would say passive house is so much more comprehensive and valuable. And Matt, as you're asking the question, I realized Passive House also prepares the path for you. And I'm saying you take the 120A, 120B, 120C, you write your exam, you got people on the way, there's, gu there's guides on the path to becoming a Passive House designer, Passive House consultant, uh, and then you become a Passive House and there's a community and it's like, we knew where we were going. We had to do the work to get there. Right. But the path was marked. Energy advising is this walking through the fog, bumping into obstacles, not knowing when, where, or how. I 
six weeks ago, I submitted my final three files for my energy advising certification. They have to be reviewed and audited. I still haven't heard back. I don't. If you were wanted me to help you design a house with Hot 2000 um, that was energy efficient, so you could become Step Five, uh, you know, Step Code or Net Zero, or I wouldn't even know where to begin to help you. There's been no real training along the way. It's been finding government resources on 15 pages with 30 hyperlinks each. Some of the resources are outdated. The only HA2000 software training, which is an MS-DOS-based program, which is absolutely archaic, uh, was like a YouTube video that was in terrible quality from 2012. Like, it just has just been absolutely bananas. And I find myself here on the doorstep of, uh, of becoming an energy advisor and feeling still so lost. What do I do as an energy advisor to help clients? If a client asks me questions, I don't have a a sense of resourcefulness to help. It's it's a very different experience. Yet, because we live in Canada and British Columbia specifically, in our context, energy advisors are required on new home construction and very very soon to be every renovation uh, is going to have to get run through an energy advisor to become energy modeled. And what I can tell you, having having both in, in front of me, a passive house is a so much more comprehensive, user-friendly, intuitive uh, methodology of reviewing a house's energy potential and, and, and maximizing it for the benefit of the occupants. Uh, energy advisor feels like the stone age of energy modeling, but that's my experience. Yeah, we're both walking down this road and Brandon has a background, like he was a, he's been a builder for a long time he's had his builder's license for a long time i'm literally coming into this cold um so you might be like me and be like i don't know what a sill is on a, on a window frame you know like I, I need like basic terms yeah sill threshold mullion lintel all these things are just you need to know what those words are i remember when i was sitting when i was like oh that's a mullion oh, like, <laughs> still gets me too i mean like all the terminology yeah so it's really interesting, and I, I I can say as somebody who didn't really know a lot, I would say passive house gave me gave me better building blocks and a better foundation to understand other things. Whereas I I felt like I was just learning terms off of a term sheet and regurgitating them on a test for the EA. Now we did this without a service organization, and my understanding is when service organizations have time, which they won't in the future. Like they're, they're just getting busier. They're like getting, the problem's getting worse. They're getting busier and the government's going to mandate that more people need to do what they want to do through an energy advisor. They're going to be busier. They're going to have less time to train people, which means more people are going to have the experience that we're having, which is um, nobody's here to train us. We're kind of training ourselves. That process did not prepare. And Brennan alluded to it. it we don't feel prepared. And like, hey, we can walk in a room and know what we're doing. Whereas with Passive House, we feel like we can at least have the conversation, ask the right questions, learn enough about the the problem, the situation, go back, um, you know, go back into our books, go back into the program. Um, and Matt, I feel like I could call people from Passive House Canada. There's a whole collection of people that I could be like, hey, what would you do in this situation? Or I have a client that wants to do this. What would you recommend? At least I feel like we have, we're connected to a community in the Passive House right. space. Right. Whereas with, with being an EA, it's like you, even if it's not the right way to do it, this is the way you're supposed to do it to get by is the sense that we're like the program itself. Like when we're being taught, uh, we like when we're being we taught, got shown for a little bit, how yeah, to use, how to hot, use 2000. hot 2000. It's like, Hey, whenever you do this, even though it's the right thing to do, it crashes the program. 
so you have to enter this in for yeah. and it's like what um so uh, just as far as as far as confidence walking into hey i feel like i've got this accreditation i know what i'm doing we're saying right now as it stands passive house we felt like was a better learning experience because we feel like even though it's there's a, a higher standard more to learn we felt like the time was taken to actually train us whereas with becoming an ea yeah you don't pay as much for training but you also don't get trained so um you know thinking about passive house thinking about who we were in the spring you know we were uh we're a company we're licensed builders we had this aspiration of not wanting to build homes that break because that's our business is fixing broken homes um we wanted to do better so we picked passive house and uh because it was the gold standard out of germany most energy efficient homes uh so we had this ideal vision we said this is the high bar if we are on a path to jump over this bar we're going to learn evolve become better people um, and serve our clients better matt what have we learned along the way now that we're this far past it we've learned that it's not perfect um but it might be the best thing there is right now and that's passive house in general in general um we like net zero like they're the frustrating, the frustrating part is net zero was a target that people were aiming for. And it's funny because in the industry, people are talking about near zero. It's like, well, let's pull that even back and say, well, we, we were close. When net zero is totally doable, but what's happening is the vast majority of the people in the building space are just pushing back on it because it's going to be more expensive because these products are rare and not used very much. But it, with the economies of scale and the, uh, the rapid pace of technology we know that if all of a sudden we mandated that you needed to have this kind of insulation in your home within two three years the price would be totally reasonable because not only would they be able to lower their price because they can produce more and all of that but the technology is going to be better so they're on there and they're going to be better at it but everyone's resistant to it so what we're seeing is uh just passive houses is, is is a fantastic standard um but we've said it in podcasts it's called podcast previous there's less than 40 of them in bc and almost none of them i think there's one in in the area we are uh at a city of 150,000 people there's one in this area because it's just it's just such a high bar and people are unwilling to go there well and i think we've also we've bumped into people so the terminology is uh and if you're using the british columbia the energy step code is a step one step two step three step four step five step five is considered net zero ready okay net zero is better than net zero ready because you actually have solar panels or wind turbines that offset your the energy you use you can produce on site okay then there's passive house which is above that and generally when you get into step four or five like net zero passive house you're talking about high performance homes and we've we've heard people actually go you know what we're we're gonna we're high performance homes we're high performance builders we're high performance renovators that's the terminology that's that's common which means they're drawing on passive house principles but they're not going for passive house certification and why is that what the passive house certification essentially puts you in a box so we've seen with fias down in the states which is passive house institute united states essentially they go this box just is great but it doesn't work for us exactly so they've created their own boxes and and they're off off that base model and so we're seeing uh, we're actually connecting with people here in british columbia who are like this is a great place to start um but we can actually not cut some corners but if we do things ingeniously um and come up with smart solutions we can do things that that people aren't expecting and so we're excited to to build uh off of 
um, passive house and and really have what we wanted the whole time was a working knowledge, a, a true understanding of how to build a really fantastic home, but also have a fireplace in it. Um, or are a fantastic home, but also have lots of windows because that's why people, you know, like a quality of life, people want to be able to see that they want to see, uh, the, the light, the room light up and not be like, I have to turn a light on in this room to be able to see what I'm doing. Um, so quality of life versus passive house, we're struggling with it. And so we we're walking forward in this saying, is there a better way? And we're starting to have some nuanced conversations that honestly we couldn't have had unless we were uh, passive house certified. Yeah. It's been an incredible journey. And this podcast has been a part of that because obviously uh, we start, we start down this path, like net zero to hero. We started at zero and uh, we've, we've learned a lot in a short period of time. We've evolved some of our philosophies. Ultimately, I think I would say this, Matt, we were right. Passive house is the gold standard in the world. I'm not saying there's not other great ways, uh, the, uh, philosophies to design homes or some other initiatives out there doing it. And, uh, you know, FIAS is, an, is a pivot on that where they're offering more contextually appropriate building uh, building frameworks. And what I mean by that is you obviously need more electricity to heat your home in uh, Minnesota than you do in uh, Houston, Texas. And um Passive House creates one standard for all, no matter where you are in the world. And it's just really hard to um, to hit your energy demand loads and your peak loads um, when you're in Arctic climate in Edmonton or um, I'm thinking Duluth, Minnesota is coming to mind. It's yeah. just it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> you use more heat. But you grew you grew up just north of the Dakotas and Winnipeg. I remember I went to college one time and I had a buddy from Winnipeg and he's like, hey, in my hometown right now, it is colder than the surface of the moon. Yeah. So, and, 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 and Passive House says you can't go over a certain amount of electricity in your peak day and the coldest day of the year, or in Kelowna here, the hottest day of the summer. It was plus 44 Celsius. Like, you can't, it's just, so using these more extreme climates that are outside of the Californias and the Floridas and the whatever, it becomes harder and harder to hit a standardized Passive House certification uh and it, it and it also becomes more complicated if you start to add quality of life features like hot tubs or swimming pools um or natural gas fireplaces or um things that i'm going to say honest real people want uh that the spreadsheet isn't happy with so that's where the tension comes in and why i think a lot of amazing homes are being built that just aren't aren't aspiring for passive house certification uh because they feel like they get penalized I think you nailed it on the head, Brandon, because people have to pay for it, right? So if the fireplace isn't in the home, which honestly, people just think that a fireplace kind of needs to be a part. It, it's it's a way of thinking. Now, we can spend hours with a client trying to beat that out of them, or we'd like to be able to say, hey, if this makes you feel better, and that means you're willing to pay more, so that way we can actually build a house that's you know net zero or close to passive house or passive house rated then we want to be able to accommodate that instead of saying, no, you don't fit in this box, right? Yeah. We want people to like where they live. And so, yeah, if that means just having uh, a fireplace hooked up, even if it's electric or whatever, but it, you know, throws off the spreadsheet, what's, what's some way that we can, um, you know, navigate that to come up with a solution that works for everybody? Well, and so, you know, Matt, we, uh, you asked me a really good question earlier. It's like, how is, how have, we changed now that we're passive house certified and uh 
And, you know, I'm thinking about who I was last January. It's December right now. It's just before Christmas, um, 2021. And last January, uh, you know, we were certified builders then. And, but we had no concept. We were actually, I would say if we were like in full disclosure, we would have been just one of those builders that was frustrated with the BC step code. Yeah. And, oh, why do we have to do all this vapor sealing or air sealing and the acoustical sealant and oh my goodness it's such a pain in the butt and 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 what if we don't get our air exchanges below you know two and why do we care about air exchanges anyways houses need to breathe like this would have been our our paradigm and and i'm gonna say my paradigm because as the licensed builder in the company this is this is where i i'm leading our organization with these like antiquated perspectives that i was passionately committed to On this side of Passive House certification, uh, I do feel like I have evolved and I've come to realize that um, high performance homes are possible. Uh, There's people doing it. I see all the benefits of high performance isn't in just your utility bills going down. It's in quality of life. I now can stand here and tell you that I could build you a home that'll last 150 years. Uh, We're, you know, the... I'm saying this with quotes like the legalities, whatever the... I want to build a home with a 10-year mold-free guarantee. And because we can do that now, because Passive House and one of their hygiene criteria uh, looks where dew point is in the home. And if there is a risk of mold because of the humidity, uh, they it's flagged. So using Passive House principles, we can build high quality homes with healthy people that are resilient for like centuries. And that's just incredible to me because my business to this point has been fixing brand new homes that break and i know the wave of black mold in the walls and rotten structures is upon us because what's currently going to take place is new homes are built they're going to be band-aided to airtight qualities to meet the air exchanges per hour energy efficient targets that energy advisors are going to be mandating and it's going to be a patched together solution that doesn't look at the whole house as a system the way Passive House does. Right. And it's going to cost the homeowner greatly because we're going to build unhealthy homes. And I'm telling you that because once the air, you, think about air tightness. I mean, like the, the impact of air tightness on a home is like the whole concept is if we make a home airtight, when the furnace goes on and it heats the home and the hot air is in the home, it doesn't just leak out the walls right. into the abyss of outside in the winter. So it's more energy efficient. But what's not considered is that. What's not considered is that. What's not considered is that an airtight home also traps all the off-gassing of all the unhealthy gases of a new home construction, like your carpets, the glues, um, the polystyrene that we're filling homes with these days. If that's not going to like naturally ventilate to the outside, it gets filtered through the human beings living in the homes. And, and people building to a typical building code standard aren't considering this they just have to make it airtight and that's not a regulatory i'm not blaming the regulators i'm not blaming the builders i'm not even blaming the homeowners because what does a homeowner want to do get me a home it has to be to code i want to move in and please don't take advantage of me on the price so they're using cost conservative measures they're called value engineering but we're building homes that are going to be very unhealthy for humans that's what's going to happen because styrofoam is cheaper than rock wool. So people are going to prefer that. But you're going to be breathing polystyrene and it's off-gassing versus a mineral wool, which is healthier, but four times the price. 
and uh yeah once moisture gets into the wall cavities i'm expecting black mold and rot uh, to be pervasive and people don't do well in mold it's like a moldy sandwich bag ziploc bag in your lunch kit as a kid it's just people are going to be living in these things and it sucks and a year ago i would have been i would have been building homes that uh would be just like that and i find myself grateful actually on this side of it to go i'm i'm i would prefer not to build a home than to build a home that um would, could potentially even do harm right you know? because yeah. people are spending a lot of money we live in a world where the piece of dirt you build your home on starts at four hundred thousand dollars so uh and cost of construction is probably six hundred thousand on top of that six to eight hundred thousand if you're building a modest home we're talking like stucco box homes like nothing you might get ground or counter granite countertops for that like it's just it's it's incredibly expensive and you can build an incredibly expensive tear down home as uh as we've discovered yeah actually so uh, we're gonna pivot um we're moving forward uh sorry this podcast has taken so long we had kind of a flurry and then honestly we were waiting for the passive house stuff to come out we were waiting for the energy advisor stuff uh you know brandon to become and and for me to kind of get there and we're like that just honestly we've been on this journey and so coming up we're gonna have a lot more podcasts and hopefully having some very specific nuanced conversations about um, specific things and and uh regarding net to net zero passive house um we've had some really great conversations with some fantastic people already um and we're excited to get them on the podcast um and and there's a whole community of out there of people who are committed to the above and beyond approach um instead of just net zero or just passive house um kind of bringing all things together um and making sure that you know the the trades people that walk in and say hey let's port the air into the home just through the front of the house and they're like well that's where the driveway is and if there's a car sitting there in the driveway idling for an hour yeah like if your hrv is sucking in exhaust fumes from the driveway uh as an example or from the hot air off the asphalt or the intake is in you like you're getting baked by the anyways I'm not, I'm not. We, we can go down that road but we're going to be talking about stuff like that in the future so thanks for sticking with us um and we're just excited to tell you that we passed and we're going to take this and we're going to steward this knowledge into the future and uh, yeah thanks for listening and uh remember uh if you have any questions or you want to uh, hear from specific people on this podcast um and, and you want to engage with us uh join our facebook group on net zero to hero yeah we're not collecting likes I'm going to, I, every time people say, well, click and like and subscribe, don't click and like and subscribe. <laughs> do whatever, do, do whatever is good for you. Do if whatever you want. You're you, a person. If this serves you, good. If it, you're not here to serve us. So, uh, yeah, we're going to make the resources available there. That's why it's just easy for you to access. But, um, yeah, I hope you have a great Christmas. And, uh, thanks for listening.